It's awesome. I love it. Thank you, choir. Bring to you grace and peace from God our Father through our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Today we behold little kitties under the authority of God Almighty. And as we come to this word, let's bow our hearts and heads in prayer. We're thankful, God. We're thankful for the patient lessons that you uh, provide us through the book of Daniel. We come to a murderous scene, one in which the, uh, the fearfulness of some seek to take the life of another. But because you are God Almighty and because you watch over the lives of your precious children, we need not be afraid. Teach us again today through Daniel chapter 6 what it means, what it means to trust in a God who saves. We ask this in Jesus who saves us. Amen. Just some reminders from the beginning, just to catch everybody up in case especially you're new to our congregation, welcome. This morning we've been making our way through the book of Daniel um, and uh, it's uh, uh, a series that I have enjoyed. I hope that others have as well, you all have. And uh, if you'd like to catch up to where we've been through five chapters, you can find that on our website, through our website or through our app uh, in the app stores and uh, listen in. It has been a great journey. We've learned a lot along the way. We've been challenged. I hope we've all been challenged to the, to the uh, uh, title of this whole series, Higher Resolutions. And to just adopt one or two of the six that we've studied and we are studying so far, we've been challenged to resolve to a higher purposeful life. And the reminders that we've had from the beginning, uh, we've studied that Daniel is written in a time of exile. The nation of Israel, God's people have been taken from the promised land flowing with milk and honey, and they've now been delivered into an alien land. Daniel and his friends are living there. We've studied what exile means then, and we've recognized that we too, and God's people really in all time, have always lived in some form of exile, excuse me, some form of exile as we realize heaven is our home. And this world that we're living in here, while we may live among believers, we may live in the relative safety of our American democracy, at the end of the day, we still live at a distance from God. We've talked about prophecy. We've talked about prophecy being truth, We've talked about prophecy being a statement of the future. And so as we have made our way through the book of Daniel, we've asked the question, what truth is God speaking into my life? What are the gaps, the deficiencies in my own spirituality that I need to take notice of and make amends for and get after? And then secondly, what is the future, the foretelling work of the prophet that says, in spite of where you stand now, this is where God is taking us. This is the victory that is on our horizon. We've been challenged by that. And finally, through the prophecy of Daniel, we've seen a God who is ever faithful and always victorious. With every succeeding chapter of Daniel's prophecy, God wins and his people prosper. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, his three friends that were brought with him in this storyline from, from the promised land, God is victorious. 
And we keep that in mind. Um, we've gone through some higher resolutions. And again, just for the practice, repetition is the mother of learning, right? We know that repetition is the mother of learning. And while this is repetitive, just like Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, it still should be profitable. My bobblehead doll to make me smile, these resolutions to make my heart glad as I follow God. Let's read them together, can we? I will not defile myself. I will be faithful even to the faithless. I will be faithful to the bitter end. I will prize humility above all else. I will learn the lessons life teaches me, and I will trust that God will save me. That last resolution being our resolution for today, I will trust that God will save me or will vindicate me. He will vindicate my righteous cause when others, when others accuse me. I want to jump to my key takeaway there, uh, Vernon. And the key takeaway for today is this. When enemies stand against me, God will always stand for me and with me. He's done this throughout the book of Daniel, right? We've been in the fiery furnace in Daniel chapter 3. God was faithful there. We've faced down terror and the threat of execution as Daniel had to interpret various dreams for Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar in chapter 5. We've been through quite a bit. But God has always stood for Daniel. He's always stood with Daniel. And we can trust that he will do the same, the same for us. And if we can have some reading notes for today, here would be some of the notes. And maybe even as you were listening to the lesson so brilliantly read for us, you were circling and underlining and and making mental notes for your own self about what it was that is of lasting value for your life. Um, I want to confess to you that while um, this sermon has been written for a while, even yesterday and Friday we went up to uh, Sedona, my daughter's in town, and uh, you know you're walking and the kids are a million miles ahead of you because I, I can only walk like three miles an hour vertically. And so um, I, I'm walking along, you know, nearly dying on Devil's Bridge. What a terrible name, by the way. How about Angel's Envy or Angel Falls or something like that? I mean, we were near death anyhow, so I mean, either way. And so, but as I'm walking along and I'm just rehearsing the story of Daniel 6 again, um, the sermon I had written and the lessons that God continues to teach through Daniel are, are, are two different things. And there's the sermon that I had written and really finished on Thursday, Friday, and then there's the sermon that I, I, I discovered I wanted to preach yesterday. So I'm going to give you some reading notes today just to think about, maybe write down in your own Bible or or write down on the bulletin. And then I'm going to give you my second sermon. And I'm still going to keep it within 20 minutes. I I do solemnly swear, I promise. Okay, so here's the the reading notes. Um, Daniel has not had any antagonists to this point, but he does now. So he's... He's gone through difficult times, but he's really never had antagonists. And now he has enemies within the kingdom. That's a big deal. The king is more inclined to Daniel than ever. King Darius, the Mede, is positively inclined toward Daniel. That's a new something. He not only does not want to kill Daniel, although if you push me, I guess I'll have to. I mean, that's kind of odd. But 
he eagerly jumps to come and find out whether the living God that somehow he has been trusting in or at least aware of whether or not that living God has saved Daniel and to nobody's surprise, God did save Daniel. Um, But this is kind of where I want to pick up the second message where God is really speaking to me and that is Daniel's getting old. I don't know if you noticed this, but we've been six chapters in, and we're now into our third king, and we've got one more to go, Cyrus the Persian. And he's not going to be even spoken of in Daniel's uh, uh, prophecy in any significant way. But Daniel has survived as a prophet through four kingdoms. And that tells me that Daniel is probably graying at the temples at the very least, and if, if I'm honest, I, I just can't help but wonder whether when Daniel gets rustled out of bed and, and told, hey, we, uh, sorry, um, bad news for you, uh, we've got to throw you in the lion's den today. I mean, what does Daniel think? Can you just, just put yourself back in his shoes for a second? You know, did he do something like a lion's den? Well, saved, uh, you know, survived the fiery furnace quite well, uh, so all good there, you know. Um, didn't get executed when, you know, the question of interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream was, you know, off. I, I just wonder what he thinks when this kind of thing happens. I wonder if he gets nervous anymore. Or I wonder whether, like Steve Irwin and, and you know, my, my children's sermon illustration, whether or not he is like, all right, put the handcuffs on, let's get this over with. You know, I want to be back by dinner. You know, what, <laughs> are we serving scrambled eggs for breakfast tomorrow? Because I, I really like cookie scrambled eggs and I don't want to miss it. So let's move this lion thing along. See, that's part of the repetition is the mother of all learning piece that I just said. I have the sense that when Daniel gets rustled out of bed or, or, or told that he's going to the lion's den, he's just like, another day, another dollar, this is what I do. And, and I guess the question is, after listening to basically the same message that at the end of every chapter, God wins, the kings are not all that, so on and so forth, do we get the lesson? Is this getting old? Daniel's getting old. You and I are getting older. And are we learning the lesson? The chief lesson being whether it's in a fiery furnace or whether it's in a lion's den, whether it because it's because we can't interpret a dream or because of what the dream says or because we're not eating certain foods that the king places before us, God gets the victory. Even when everything else seems lost. And so we need to work through this a little bit. And, and this is why, as I had a great conversation with uh, one of our members this past Thursday, came in, and it's just to get to know you. What's your shepherd's story? You know, it's my constant question. What's your shepherd's story? How'd you get here? How long have you lived here? Why are you still at shepherd? What do you see on shepherd's future? What's the shepherd's story that's yet to be written for you, for this congregation? So on and so forth. And we started talking about studying God's word. And I said to him, I go, Tim, here's the deal. I said, one of the challenges that I took up was this, because the Bible is a really long book, and for an ADHD guy like me who really appreciates pictures, 
You know, I like pictures and books. Um, I, I said, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got because you can't be an expert in the entire Bible, in every single book, every single chapter that was written. I said, Tim, why don't you take two? Because I've taken two. Um, choose a book of the Old Testament, choose a book of the New Testament, and make that your life's uh, purpose. To become the expert in those two books. Um, and he wrote back to me and he said, well, I'm going to study the book of Deuteronomy. I'm going to study the book. I forgot what he said about the New Testament. I'm scratching my head. I'm like, Deuteronomy. Well, you know, I guess. But whatever you want to do, it's fine. Deuteronomy, a little legalistic, but that's fine. I have my books, the book of, books of wisdom as a group. They're short enough. You can put them all together. Job's, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Stick them all together. The Gospel of Matthew. But the reason why I bring this illustration up and this interaction that I had with Tim is because this is why we've been doing Daniel the way we've been doing it. So that patiently as you hear repeated again and again, you're not only listening to the basic storyline, but you're being drawn deeper into the story through the constant repetition. And maybe Daniel is a book that you want to adopt for the remainder of whatever time you have left and make it your purposeful book to read and to master, to go to Amazon.com or, or something and, and order the, the commentaries, you know, and you're going to read a commentary that a, a biblical scholar has put alongside this book so that you can really unearth its message and meaning for you prophetically today. And, and that's what I wanted to share with you that I've really enjoyed, especially this week, I think, more than any other, is that reading Daniel again and again and again, deeper and deeper, has opened up new parts of it, and it's, it's, uh, it's changed me, even though I've studied it for a very long time. So what are some optional resolutions you might adopt today? I will never be too old for faithfulness. Um, you know, we live in a community where after you retire, a lot of people come. But you're never too old. Just because you retire from a job, you move from the place that you lived while working your tail off in whatever industry employed you. You're never too old for faithfulness. You're never too old to learn. And the other thing is, Daniel showed himself in small ways at least never to tire of the tests of faith. When the tests came, when the, when the cancer returned, when you lost your third job in two years, when you failed your math test even though you were studying till all hours of the next morning, these tests of faith that cause you to question who you are, your value in this world, your ability, your talents, all of this. Daniel never tired. And the uh, larger meaning for reading the book of Daniel, I think for the children of God who've read it through century after century after century since then, don't ever grow tired of these tests of faith because God will never grow tired of proving himself faithful, for giving you life lessons in the midst of them so that even though the tests may be failed, still the faith may be stronger. That's a critical lesson for us to learn.
And finally, we're now through four kings, but only one prophet. Kings may come and go, but the persecution of God's people never ends. You see, if you think you're better under one government than another, if you're better under one circumstance than another, God's faithfulness is the constant. And that's the word I need you to keep in mind today, is this word constancy. Say it with me, would you? Constancy. It's, it's a little different word. Um, you, may, you may say loyalty or endurance or perseverance or stick to You can use a lot of different words, but the words, the word that I really have adopted and that I, I like so much, I want to be a constant Christian. To have that virtue, it's a virtue of constancy in me, that I'm dependable when tests of faith come, that I stick with God. As I was reminded at men's Bible study by John Cherry yesterday, when the trials come, our first response is to pray. We want to be constant in prayer. Brothers and sisters, we come this morning to the Lord's Supper. In just a little bit, we're going to put our knees on some cushions. We're going to bend our bodies and our hearts through them to God. We're going to receive the bread and wine, which is for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ. In, with, and under that bread and wine, we are going to be renewed in our faith, but particularly the faith that God saves. And that the key takeaway for today is true, that God wins. And this meal is evidence of the victory of God even through the shedding of Christ's blood and the provision of Christ's flesh for the sins of the whole world. Today we come and as we kneel, it is an invitation not just to receive this gift of the Holy Sacrament in faith, but also to bring and lay before the altar of God. These are the places where my faith is being tested today. This is the kind of life that I am living in which this particular something is king for me and has thrown me into the lion's den. This is an opportunity for you to do what I love most, and that is for you to finish the message that I have begun this morning. And so with all that in mind, let's rise and confess our faith and prepare to receive the sacrament as we speak together the words of the Apostles' Creed.